0: It is so good to be with you guys today. My name's Olin Carter, and I serve here on our teaching team. And if you are new here at Freedom House, something very special, very unique about our church is that we have a teaching team. So at each and every campus, each and every weekend, we have a live communicator. And so Pastor Troy is actually out of town today. He's up in Boston preaching at another church, ministering to them. Yep, give him a hand. Um, We... We like to send our pastor to bless others, and, and we've got Pastor Penny down at South End, Pastor Michael up at Lake Norman, and so we like to have a live communicator at each and every campus, and I just think that's amazing. Let's give it up for our pastors for having that vision, amen? Um, I just think that's awesome. They raise up leaders around them. We are truly better together, and I want to take just a moment to uh, just welcome uh, our people that are joining us online. Amazing today. We have people in the United Kingdom, Sweden, China, Norway, England, England. Georgia, North Carolina, Illinois, South Carolina, and New Jersey. So give it up for our online campus. We're so glad you're with us today. We want to welcome you. That is amazing. We got people all over the world here with us in this room this morning. Isn't that great? So, today we are kicking off a brand new series called Dark Horse. Everybody say Dark Horse. What does dark horse mean? I've had people asking me as we've been promoing the series, what is dark horse? What are we talking about? Are we getting into revelations? What are we talking about? But we're, we are actually talking about how to be an overcomer when sometimes in life we can be a dark horse, which is another term for an underdog. Anybody ever feel like an underdog? Man, I know sometimes in my life I have felt like an underdog. But each and every series, we have a series resource that we want to put in your hands. And so we always always like to highlight that. We actually found a great book called Dark Horse. So matches right up. But this is a great book. I read this book myself in preparation for this. It is a study of King, the life of King Hezekiah, a true dark horse. Great Bible study. It's out in our Salt Resource Center. And remember, every dollar that we raise through the sale of our resources in Salt Resource, every book, every CD, whatever is sold, that all goes towards missions. So not only are you getting a great resource, but you're also sending money to help people overseas and around the world. Isn't that great? Yeah. So... Let's get into it today. What is a dark horse? That term, dark horse, actually comes from the early 19th century. It was a Victorian term. They used the word dark back then as another way of saying unknown. So when you hear dark horse, it literally means unknown horse. It was a gambling term. And so when you were a better, you were at the track, and you're trying to pick the the horse that's going to win, you're putting your money. Man, a dark horse wasn't somebody the gamblers really liked. Because, it, it, you know, you want to know everything you can. You want all the inside information when you're putting your money down on somebody's going to win, right? But a dark horse was a horse that didn't have all the pedigree. It didn't have all the, the, the name recognition. Maybe it wasn't the horse that everyone expected to win, but the dark horse won the race. The dark horse surprised... Everyone when they won the race. Today, sometimes that, cur- that term is commonly used in political circles. Sometimes when a candidate comes out and kind of surprises everybody out of nowhere, they call them a dark horse. Or maybe in the sports world, sometimes if you're going to pick the winner before the season starts. So sometimes if, if you're a fantasy football guy, sometimes, I man, who's your dark horse, you know? Who's gonna surprise everyone and do exceptionally well? But you know, I think many of us can identify with this term, this feeling of being a dark horse in our life. Maybe that's been you and over the course of your life, you have felt like you are an underdog. You are a dark horse. Maybe you believe you have potential or maybe you've given up on your potential, but God hasn't. God hasn't given up on your potential. And the message that I want to deliver to you today, if I were to title this message, it would be unexpected opportunities. I want us to talk about unexpected opportunities today. What creates the environment for a dark horse? Well, I believe that dark horses appear when an underestimated gift meets an unexpected opportunity. I'm going to read that again for you. When a dark horse appears when an underestimated gift, that's you, meets an unexpected opportunity. I think about King David and his skill with the sling and how he unexpectedly meets Goliath in his overconfidence. It was an underestimated skill. No one thought David had a chance. Here's this little boy, this, this, this. I mean, he's this big. I mean, he's probably 14, 15 years old. He's a shepherd. He's got a sling and he's going against Goliath, who is one of the most fiercest warriors in all the world. He's a giant, so he stands taller than anybody else. Goliath could have literally crushed David with his hand. If David would have made one misstep, If David would have just, if his shoe would have got caught, his sandal would have got caught on a rock. If David would have slipped and fallen down, it was over. David had to risk his life in order to seize an unexpected opportunity. Sometimes God's going to put unexpected opportunities in front of you. And you have to understand that you've got to be willing to take a risk if you want to ever lay claim to a God moment in your life. David had to be willing to die, to put himself out there in harm's way in order to defeat Goliath. And we know that through faith, David runs out on the battlefield. He's able to defeat the giant. And this is the interesting thing that you see in all these biblical dark horses. is the fact that not only when they're victorious are they blessed, but through David, God rescues his people. You know what, I believe that God has something significant for each and every one of us, and it's not just about us, but God wants to use us to bless others. I think about Joseph. Joseph's underestimated ability to interpret a dream unexpectedly meets Pharaoh in his unexplainable nightmares. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were Joseph and I had been sold into slavery, and I had been locked in prison... The superpower I would want would not be dream interpretation. <laughs> have any of you ever played that game before where you're talking to a friend and you talk, guys do this especially. Some of you ladies might think this is geeky, but guys do this all the time. Man, what superpower would you have? Right? And some, see, some of the ladies are shaking their head, yeah, I did that too. It's kind of fun, right? You're talking about, well, man, I would be Superman. Well, no, I'd be Spider-Man. Well, who would you be? And sometimes the game, you make the rules. No, you have to just pick one ability. You just have to pick one superpower that you can have. Well, surveys say everybody usually picks flight because we want to fly, right? The feeling of freedom flying in the sky. Maybe you would pick super strength. One thing I can guarantee you is This. If Joseph were asked when he's in the bottom of the prison, hey, Joseph, which superpower would you like to have? He would not have said, can I have dream interpretation? He probably would have said, God, give me the strength of Samson so I can bust out of this place and get free. He probably would have said, give me some other ability. Give me flight so when I see daylight, man, whoosh, I'm out of here, right? I'm going to get free from this prison. But you know what? Sometimes I think that's how we live our life. Sometimes I think many of us live our lives focused on the gifts we don't have. Focus on the gifts we see in others. And I think sometimes a lot of us waste so much of our lives envying the gift God gave someone else that we're not ready for our unexpected opportunity. Maybe the reason why you've missed some opportunities in your life is you're so focused on the gifts you don't have, you don't appreciate the gifts you do have. Maybe you've not been been cognizant enough of the gift that God's given you. You've not appreciated the value that God has placed in you. And so when your God moment comes, it passes you by. We can't live our life like that. Joseph, even when he was in the prison, Joseph didn't get bitter. Joseph didn't sit around envious of everyone else. Joseph didn't spend his time worrying about what could have been, what should have been. No, When an opportunity presented itself, what did Joseph do? He used his gift. He used his gift, not for selfish gain, but he used his gift to help someone else. He had no idea that his gift would put him in front of the king. He had no idea that when he helped the guys in the prison, that by doing that, it was going to open a door for him to get out of prison. He was just helping people out. He was just using his gift. And through that, God orchestrated events. Now he's in front of Pharaoh. But how many of you know, just like David... Joseph had to be willing to take a chance. When Joseph went before Pharaoh, if he interpreted the dream wrong, or if for any reason Pharaoh just didn't like his interpretation, how many of you know Joseph was probably going to be put to death? But when the king says, hey, I've got these dreams, I don't know what to do, they're keeping me up at night, man, can you help me? Joseph says, listen, I can't do anything, but God will Interpret your dream. Let me tell you what God's trying to tell you. And then all of a sudden, not only is Joseph promoted, but just like David, through Joseph, God delivers his people. God delivers his people. I think of Esther. Queen Esther, her royal position, unexpectedly meets a plot to kill her people. She has to risk her life to approach the king, but because of her courage and faith, God saves his people. And I want to focus today on the story Of Esther I believe Esther is one of the most unbelievable examples of being a dark horse you have this young girl that didn't know anything about anything and she's just living her life in a foreign land and all of a sudden she's thrust on the scene and she has to risk everything to save her entire country her entire people you want to talk about a dark horse We're going to start reading today in Esther chapter 4 verse 10. But before we read, I want to catch you up a little bit. Maybe some of you have never heard the story of Esther before. You've never read the book of Esther in the Bible. But it's an amazing book. I encourage you to go home today to read the story of Esther. It's an incredible story. But I'm going to summarize for you today and kind of catch up to where we are. But but Esther starts out with the Israelite people. They've been taken off into captivity and they're in the land of Persia. The king at that time is probably the most powerful man in the world, and he throws this huge feast, this huge banquet, and he asks for his wife to be brought to him. Why? Because his wife was good looking. So he wants to show her off to all the noblemen, all the the high-ranking officials, but his wife refuses to come. His wife embarrasses him in front of everybody. And he looks at his other leaders and noblemen, and he says, guys, what am I supposed to do? The queen is refusing to come. And all the noblemen look at him and say, hey, man, you can't let this slide. <laughs> this can't happen. You're the king. If she doesn't want to come and she doesn't want to do what you ask, you've got to make a change. You've got to kick her out. She can't be queen anymore. And so all of a sudden, the country of Persia, they've got probably the largest beauty pageant in the history of earth. They've got to find a new queen. So they've got this huge open beauty contest going on. They've got all these young ladies coming in and Esther just so happened to be one of the young ladies. Now you're going to see today throughout the story of Esther an awful lot of coincidence. Now I'm sure God had nothing to do with it. I'm sure God didn't orchestrate all this stuff. It's just coincidence after coincidence on top of coincidence, on top of coincidence, on top of coincidence, just like your life. Sometimes we can't see the master's hand in our story either. But we're going to see in the story of Esther how every coincidence just kind of leads one after another. So coincidentally, Esther's chosen. And when she goes in, she finds favor, not only with the king, but all the noblemen, with all, all the servants. Everyone just loves Esther. And soon, Esther is made queen. Esther She's got a a cousin. His name's Mordecai, godly man. And he angers one of the highest ranking officials in all the land, a man, an evil man named Haman. Haman is so angry. He's so bent out of shape with with Mordecai that he goes to the king and he convinces the king to let him hatch a plot. His plot is he is going to wipe out, he is going to kill all the Israelites in the entire country. He convinces the king, hey, these Jews, we don't like them anyway. Let's get rid of them. We can just kill them. We'll get rid of them. I'll even give 10,000 pieces of silver into the treasury. Just let me do it, king. And the king says, all right, do what you want to do. Sounds good to me. The whole time the king doesn't know that Esther's a Jew. And so his plot begins to unfold. And Mordecai, when he learns about this plot, you can imagine he starts to freak out. So he comes to Esther and he says, hey, Esther, man, we got to get you involved. You're the queen, our people's in danger. Hey, I know they don't know you're Jew, but hey, we know. Hey, we go back. I raised you. You were in my house. We got to get you in the game. We've got to get you involved to save God's people. And that's where we pick up here in verse 10 with Mordecai asking Esther to help. But notice Esther's reply. This is verse 10. Then Esther told Hathach to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials, and even the people in the provinces, know that anyone who appears before the king, anyone, including the queen, in his inner court without being invited, is doomed to die. Unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathach gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Her initial response was... When her unexpected opportunity came, her initial response was, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not going before the king because if I go before the king and he hasn't summoned me, he's going to have me killed. I'm not going to take that kind of risk. You're asking me to give away this position that I have. And isn't that what we do sometimes in life? We're asked to sacrifice something in our life that maybe we've spent years attaining. Maybe God asked you to give up a little bit on your job, give up a little bit with your family, give up a little bit of your finances, and you think, but God, I can't give up all this that I've built. It's for you and your kingdom. I can't give this up right now. I'm building something for you. Esther was probably thinking, if I give up my position, if I'm killed, then hey, there's no one left to help the people, right? Likely excuse. But we all know the truth is she was afraid. Many times we're afraid too, but listen to Mordecai's response to Esther. Verse 13, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther, Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows? Perhaps, perhaps coincidence You were made queen for just such a time as this. Maybe, maybe God puts you where you are for just such a time as this. I love the fact that Mordecai makes it clear to her, listen, if you don't want to do it, you're going to suffer because of that. You're going to regret that decision, but let me tell you, God will raise somebody else up. And we have to understand today that when God presents us with unexpected opportunities, if you pass your God moment by, God's going to get his plan done. He'll get it done with you, around you, through you, in spite of you, no matter what. But listen, here's the cool part. You get to choose. You get to choose how much of a part of God's plan you want to be. Every time that offering container passes you by, you get to choose. Every time you're asked to serve in the kids' wing or with coffee shop or greeters or whatever it is, you get to choose. Every time somebody on your job, God prompts you to share the gospel with them, to pray with them, to do something, you get to choose. Every time in life you're faced with a choice to have integrity, to make the right decision, to model model honesty and truth in front of your children, you get to choose. You get to choose what part of God's plan you will play. And Mordecai is making it real clear to Esther and God's making it real clear to us today that, hey, you get to choose. No matter what you choose, God will deliver his people. God is going to get his plan through, but Esther, you get to choose if you're going to be a part of it or not. Verse 15, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews of Susa, that was the capital city, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, Night and day, my maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and, every, and did everything Esther had ordered him to do. And she made her decision. The first thing that I think that we can learn from this story is that dark horses aren't always ready for their unexpected opportunities. Dark horses are not always ready when their God moment arrives. I think sometimes we see victories and we see our heroes. We see people in our lives that we admire or we think, man, have done amazing things. We see people come out on top and sometimes mistakenly we believe that they've got it all together. We think we see Pastor Troy up here on the platform and we just think he just, he flutters around. He just floats, you know, the Holy Spirit just carries him through the air and just ushers him into his car. And then people just lay rose petals at his feet and he just walks around and everything just goes right. And, you know, that's what we think about our leaders sometimes. Listen, Esther is one of the most celebrated characters in the entire Bible. But the first time that God presents her with this opportunity to to use her position, to use her gift to save his people, she says no. She says, no, I'm too afraid. And isn't that what we do so many times? When Esther was initially asked to go before the the king, she hesitated. Are you hesitating today to step out and to trust God? There are many dark horses throughout history in the Bible that start out this way. Here's the key. They just don't stay there. The people we read about that come out on top, they're afraid just like you are. The difference is they don't set up camp. They understand they're afraid. They're faced with a difficult situation. And they might even own their fear. They might even hesitate in the moment. But eventually, they make a decision to take a step. All through the Bible, we see God using the unlikely, the unknown, and the unqualified. Thank God. Because I find myself in that description all the time. Most of the time, I find myself feeling unqualified. I find myself feeling like... I'm not the likely person to do what God has asked me to do. Most of the time in my life, I feel like I'm not worthy to do. God, why would you ask me? And it's just like Moses. When God came to Moses, God comes to Moses and he says, Hey, man, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to deliver my people. I want you to go and speak. Man, I'm going to set my people free. And Moses says, Yeah, God, I'm with you. No. Moses says, Me? Who am I, God, that you would send me? I'm a nobody. God tells Moses, number one, there's a bush literally on fire that's not burning up, number one. So you've got a bush that's on fire. It's not burning up. Then you have God speaking to him audibly, Moses. And Moses says, but God, who am I? I can't go. God says, Moses. I will go with you. And Moses then says, okay, if you're with me, God, no. Then Moses again says, I still can't. I can't do it. I'm not not good enough, God. I I know you'll be with me. But what does he say? He says, I'm not eloquent. I can't speak. I stutter. How am I going to go lead a nation? How am I going to speak in front of all these people? How am I going to go speak before the king? And I I can't even get a word out, God. God says, is it not I who makes the mouths of men? Is it not I that makes men to, to speak or not or see or not? I'm God. I'm with you. Go. Eventually, Moses says, okay, I'll go. Sometimes God has to convince us to step in to our moment. Maybe that's you today. That doesn't mean that you're not a dark horse. Maybe you feel unlikely to succeed. Maybe you feel unlikely to be used by God for anything significant in your life. That's okay because dark horses fly under the radar. They surprise everybody, even themselves. They don't even see themselves coming. Moses wasn't looking to be a leader. The only person that's not caught off guard is God because God has a way of seeing the potential that's hidden in His people. God sees the potential that's in you. So God's not caught off guard. For many years, that was my story. I, I, when I was younger, I had trouble speaking in front of people. I couldn't give a book report in school. I couldn't talk in front of people. At a young age, I would study the Bible all the time. I was that kid that would drive you nuts in Sunday school that I had to win every Bible game. Like, if there was a Bible game, a Bible trivia game, I was going to win, I was going to win by a large margin, and then I was going to brag in your face about it. (laughs) Like, I've forgotten more about the Bible than you'll ever know. I mean, I was just, you know, obnoxious about it. I wanted to teach, I wanted to work with kids, but here was the problem. It's very difficult to teach children or youth or something like that, but you can't talk. So I would get up in front. One time my pastor, when I was real young, gave me an opportunity to preach, and it was just like a five-minute thing. We were doing like a youth day, you know, kind of like student takeover we do here. And I get up in front of the church, and I'm just, man, I got all these notes. And I get up there, and I'm like, God, love, love, God, God, love. I couldn't talk. I could not speak. My throat would close up in school when I would try to give a book. For, I would literally run out of the room. I could not talk. And I had this friend that I had met, and he was, when I was in high school, he was incredibly gifted. And he could preach, he could sing. Man, he could do everything. He was a leader, he could do administration, he put teams together. I mean, he had it all, man. He was like the most talented person I've ever met. Isn't it funny how God always gives the gifts you want to somebody you know? (laughs) It's like, you, you have a friend that can do everything you wish you could do. And then God just connects you, and it's like God's just rubbing it in your face, like, nah, <laughs> nah, 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 na, you know? And so I'm, I've become, like, best friends with this guy, and so I'm, I'm kind of going with him to all these things, and he's invited to speak at all these youth conferences and events and churches and stuff. And so one, one Sunday, we're at this church, and there's probably about this, probably about five 600 people in the room, and he's going to go up there, and he's going to preach, and he tells me before the service, he says, Listen, man, I want you to say something today. I want you to get up in front of everybody and just, you know, just greet the people, just five minutes, share about faith. Something. He goes, you know the Bible better than I do. I mean, just get up there and say something, you know, it'd be great. And I'm like, yeah, no, we won't be doing that. And he said, but no, it will be good, you know, you just get up there, say something, just a few minutes, it's short. And I said, yeah, I, I can't do that. And he said, man, God will get, man, God, I said, God, God, whatever. I, I know I can't, God ain't going, he can't do nothing with this. I can't do it. I can't even get three words out, man. He kept on me, kept on me, kept on me until eventually I just said, you know what? Just so we never have to live through this again. I'm going to do this so you can just see and experience the train wreck that's about to happen. I just want you to understand. And then you're never going to ask me to do this again. It'll be great. And so... I'm sitting up there and, and he's getting going, you know, and he, oh, I forgot. You know, I got my friend with me. He's going to come up on him. Man, he, he loves God. He loves, man, he's going to just share something powerful with you. And I, I'm getting up, you know, and I'm thinking, I literally thought in my mind, I'm not kidding you, I told somebody before the service, be ready to catch me. Because I thought when I walked up front, I could black out and fall off the stage and kill myself. I mean, that's, that was what was going through my head. Don't black out. Don't fall off the platform. That's literally what I'm thinking. My hand is shaking like this, you know. And so as I'm walking up there, as he hands me the microphone, as I grab the mic, literally, the Spirit of God just came all over me. And I began to speak, and I could just, I could talk. All of a sudden, I could talk. And you know what? God had that gift inside of me the whole time. God later revealed to me the whole problem was pride. I didn't want to get up in front of people because I was scared how I was going to look if I messed up. I wasn't thinking about you. I was thinking about me. Sometimes that's how we are with our gifts. Too often, man, we think too much about ourselves and we're too afraid to step into the gifting that God's given us. This leads me into the second thing that I learned from this study of Esther. And that's that dark horses find grace. Grace is waiting on them. Grace is waiting on you today. Too often we think that God is waiting on us. But you know, the truth is, it's up to us to activate the grace of God in our life. God's not waiting on you. Or, did I just mix that up? God is not waiting on you. You're waiting on God. My mind just like totally. Am I saying it right or am I getting it mixed up? Huh? Flip it. God is waiting on you. I'm sorry. I got it mixed up in my head. I knew when I said it, I went, God's not waiting on you. Wait a minute. That's not right. God is waiting on you. We think the other way around. We think that we're waiting on God to line everything up for us. We think that we have to wait on everything to line up perfectly. Before we can step into the gift that God's given us. We think that everything and everyone, that everybody's got to agree with me. All the stars have to align. Everything's got to be perfect before I get in the game. But you know what? The truth is, we've got to get in the game. Your God-given gift will not work on the practice field. You have to get in the game. The truth of the matter is, sometimes the coach offers us to get in the game, but we don't want to get in the game because we weren't given the position we wanted. Sometimes we don't want to get in the game because we want to be the starting point guard. But we've been asked to be the backup power forward, and I don't want to play that position. I love basketball because I'm tall. Everybody wants to put me under the basket. I'm a guard, people. I like to shoot. Aaron's laughing because he's played with me, and he knows. I'm I'm so out of shape now. I can't do any of it. But in my heart, I know, like, I want to be a guard. I want to be launching threes, right? I mean, I think I'm Kobe in my brain, but I'm not. But because I'm tall, everybody wants to put me under the basket. Oh, big man, you get under the basket and get some rebounds. And I'm like, all right, fine. But that's how we live life. We're offered positions. Man, we're, God, I want to do something significant for your kingdom, well, you were asked to serve in the kids' ministry three weeks ago. Woo! Yeah, but, I, but but no, I said significant, God. I, I need to do something significant for the kingdom. God, it's just, I, I, I want to be in my position, in my place. Yeah, but they asked you to serve at Authentic Conference and, and help out in, in salt with, with the bookstore and doing. But, but, but God, I, that's not what I'm called to do. And we get so called up by not being in the position we want that we stay on the bench. Listen, how's the coach ever going to see you got game if you're not in the game? How's the coach ever going to see that you've got ability if you're sitting on the bench? How are you ever going to use your faith and stretch your faith if you're outside looking in? If you're too afraid to take a chance and get in the game. Have you made a decision today to obey God? Verse 16, Esther says, Hey, I will go see the king. If I die, I die. She said, I've made my decision. Even if it costs me my life, I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to serve God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and 10, Paul speaking, and he says, for I am the least of all apostles. Man, you want to talk about a, a dark horse. The apostle Paul was the dark horse of dark horses. I mean, a man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, a man who led the early church, nobody saw him coming. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting the church. He says, man, he said, I'm unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, he said, listen, How can the grace of God, God Almighty, if He has grace in your life, how can God's grace be in vain? Listen to what Paul says. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Sometimes we sit back waiting on God to do the work, but notice that Paul said, I worked harder than any of them. Grace doesn't replace our work, it empowers it. You can't sit back waiting on God to do it for you. You have to get in the game. You have to be willing to step foot in front of foot to take a step of faith and say, you know what, I'm going to put some action to this faith. I'm going to put some action to this belief before God's grace is going to be there for you. God's grace is already waiting on you, but you've got to step into it. When Esther made a decision to stand with God and his people, no matter the cost, God's grace was already there waiting for her, and she found favor with the king. Let's read real quick in Esther chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. It says, When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you even if it is half of the kingdom. You see, the story of Esther shows us that God can do amazing miracles through events, through people, and through timing. See, sometimes we get hung up looking for the supernatural. We think that God has to speak to us from heaven and give us, put all your money in Apple stock next Thursday. What we, we think God has to do something just off the charts amazing when sometimes we think of miracles as supernatural events, but sometimes miracles are ordinary events happening with supernatural timing. Don't get stuck waiting on everything to perfectly fall into place. We see this in the story of Esther. We see how coincidence after coincidence after coincidence just lines up and God puts people in place To bring deliverance to his people. You see, earlier in the story, after she just coincidentally was made queen, Mordecai, her cousin, is standing and he just coincidentally overhears a plot to overthrow the king. They record this because he tells Esther. Esther warns the king and the king is saved. So the king says, hey, write this down in the book. They kept a book of everything that happened in the kingdom. He said, man, write this down because, man, this is important. And, man, we're going to take care of Mordecai. This is great. And so they write it down in the book. The story continues to progress. We know what what we just read about with, with Esther and being called before the king. But now that she's made this request, listen to how God lines all these events up. She tells the king, she says, hey, I want to have a dinner with you. I want to get together and have a dinner. So they have this dinner. Haman's there. And they begin to talk about everything. And he says, hey, listen, we had the dinner, but but what's your request? I want to know, what do you want? And she says, listen, one more day, I'm going to throw a special feast, and I'm going to invite just you and just Haman to come. Just you and him. It's only people I want to come. She's setting Haman up the whole time because Haman doesn't know what's going on. Haman goes home, and he begins to brag to all his friends, and he says, listen, We had a feast, we had a banquet today, and the the queen invited me to a special feast tomorrow with just me and the king. Just me and the whole time she's setting this guy up, and God's setting up events to unravel his plot. He doesn't know what's happening. So the king that night goes back and he can't sleep. And so he says, Hey, bring me the book and read to me from the book of my kingdom of everything that's happened. And just so happens when they bring him the book, what do they read about? They read about when Mordecai saved him and overthrew the plot to assassinate the king. He hears about this, and he's like, man, we need to do something for Mordecai, man. Mordecai's awesome, man. This guy saved me. We need to do something. So the next morning, he gets Haman, and he says, hey, he tells the story. What should we do to honor somebody that's great like this? Haman says, oh, man, we should put him on a horse, give him a robe. We should march them through the kingdom. We should, man, we should sing their praises, man. This is going to be great. He's thinking it's him. And the king says, man, I like your idea. That is a great idea. We're going to do that for Mordecai. And listen, I want you to take care of it. And so Haman has to take Mordecai, parade him through the town, tell everybody how great he is. And then that night they come to the dinner. All this just coincidence. That night at the dinner, the king finally asked the queen, hey, finally, what is it that you want? And she says, oh, king, all I ask for is my life. In the life of my people, he's. what are you talking about? And she says, an evil man has has done a plot to kill all the Jews, and I'm a Jew. I'm going to die too. And the king says, who's done this? (laughs) Guy right there. Haman's freaked out. He's afraid for his life. Do you see how God orchestrated every single event? That's how God does in our lives. He puts people and events in sequence. He sets you up and you don't even see it coming. He sets you up. But I know the the question that we all have when we get to the end of the story. What if I've wasted my God moments? What if I've wasted the unexpected opportunities in my life? And I've got one word of good news for you. God still has an unexpected opportunity for you. I think one of the most common fears people have is that they have wasted their unexpected opportunities in life. We think it's too late. It's too late. Time's up. There's nothing that I can do. It's too late. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's you. But Esther's first response to Mordecai was totally wrong. She reacted in fear and could have missed her opportunity, but God gave her a second chance. And you know what? God will give you a second chance today, too. Maybe you think you're too old, too deep in debt, too hurt by your past too used up. Maybe you think you've missed every opportunity, but I'm here to tell you today that God has one more for you. If you're still breathing, God has one more unexpected opportunity for you today. I want to ask everybody, I'm going to read something to you, but first I want to ask everybody in here, take a deep breath right now. Take one more, just take a deep breath. I want to read this to you. It says, if you're still breathing, you are still alive. And if you are still alive, then you're still here physically on this planet. And if you're still here, then you have not completed what you were put on earth to do. If you have not completed what you were put on earth to do, that means your very purpose has not yet been fulfilled. If your purpose has not yet been fulfilled, then the most important part of your life has not yet been lived. And if the most important part of your life has not yet been lived, that is proof there is hope for you. The most important part of your life is ahead of you. Then even during the worst times, when you know that, you can be assured that there is laughter ahead. There's more success to look forward to. There's more children to teach and help. More friends to touch and influence. There is proof of hope for more. That's an excerpt from the book, The Noticer. You know, I think Mordecai and Esther, they could have given up. They could have said, you know what, it's all over for us. The second most powerful man in the country has signed our death warrant. There is nothing left we can do. But by faith, Mordecai got Esther in the game. He said, you know what? This is an unexpected opportunity, but God has gifted you. He has positioned you for just such a time as this. Would you stand on your feet with me this morning? I want to end the day with this passage of Scripture. This is in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment? Maybe you feel like you've missed out on too many opportunities. Maybe you feel like you've burned chances, you've burned relationships. Maybe you feel like the best parts of your life have been left behind, but I'm here to tell you today that God has an unexpected opportunity for you. And maybe that unexpected opportunity is for you to make a decision today to follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never made that decision before, but the best decision you can make is to follow the ultimate dark horse, and that's Jesus. See, Jesus didn't come in chariots of fire. He didn't come with royal robes with thousands of angels. He came as a little baby in a manger. He didn't topple governments. He didn't set up an earthly kingdom. His victory was his death. Why? Because the number one thing he wanted to win was your heart. He wanted you. And he won that victory on the cross. But you have a choice. Just like Esther did in that story, you have a choice if you want to be a part of God's story or not. You have a choice today. And I want to offer you an invitation today. If you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus, if you've never gotten in the game with God, if you've never signed up to be a part of His story, and you say, man, I want to know God. I don't want to leave this place today without a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? No one's looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. This is just a moment between you and God. And if that's you, raise your hand. I see that hand. Raise your hand up. We're just going to say a prayer of faith together today. And I'm going to ask everyone to join in this prayer together. Let's say it together with them. Just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord, I thank you that I'm a dark horse. No matter what my past would say, no matter how unworthy I feel, you died for me. You sent Jesus for me. I have potential. God, I want to unlock my potential. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to step into your grace right now. Forgive me of my sins. Give me purpose, and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.